Hey YouTube, how are you? Once again, uh, we went live before I thought we were actually going to go live, but I'm so happy to be with you. I'm going to talk a little bit about a devotion called uh, The Holy Face. This is a devotion that uh, has been being spread uh, for the last couple hundred years. And um, what I would like to do is actually read you uh, something from this little book that as soon as I can figure out how to start selling things, not even for a profit, just selling things to get them available and out there. These are handmade books. Um, this is basically the complete uh, guide to the devotion of the holy face of Jesus, and you will be convinced that you need one of these. I think after I just read one of the uh, chapters in here, which is a letter from the Archbishop of Tours, France, from which this uh, incredible devotion emanates. And I think uh, without having an outline for this or anything, just really wanting to share this with you, um, I think that the devotion to the holy face of Jesus will be exactly that weapon that we need in 2020. And when I start reading this to you, um, hopefully you'll see why it is that I say that. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to give a history of the holy face. I'm not going to talk about it at all. I'm just going to read you this letter uh, from this book published in 1887. And um, at that point, then I, I will take some some live questions on YouTube, um, and then I'll subsequently take this video and re repackage it and repost it on Facebook. So I apologize that there's no title to this video. It, it just tells you that I'm live right now. There's no image. I, I created a beautiful image, and people aren't going to see that until after the fact. But uh, that's uh, that's just how it goes sometimes. Okay. So once again, I'm just going to read. This letter, it's, a, it's 10 small pages. It won't take long. It's maybe a 10-minute reading. This will give you, the, the, hopefully you'll understand why I'm doing this right now. Um, and, and I'm doing it, I'm rushing this out as quickly as possible um, to everyone. Okay, so I've got the image pulled up beside me. So you can, don't look at me, look at the image of our Lord. Okay, so this is um, pastoral letter of Monsignor the Archbishop of Tours, to the clergy and the faithful of his diocese, announcing the establishment of the Archconfraternity of the Holy Face in the town of Tours. Very dear brethren, we desire to make you acquainted with the very distinguished favor which the Holy Father has just bestowed upon one of our most cherished and interesting associations, namely the Confraternity of the Holy Face. By a brief dated the 1st October 1885, Leo XIII, at our request, has deigned to raise to the dignity of an archconfraternity throughout the whole church the diocesan association known under the name of the Confraternity of the Holy Face. You will at once understand the high importance of this solemn act and the great development which it will obtain in the future for our association now that it has been thus blessed and glorified. Our first duty is that of gratitude towards God and the successor of St. Peter. We eagerly seize upon this opportunity in order to recall to your remembrance the spirit and the excellence of the devotion to the holy face of which Tours is henceforth after Rome, the principal seat. This form of worship rendered to Jesus Christ, you know, very dear brethren, is not new in the church. 
It is attached to the dogma of the Incarnation. It dates back to the, old, to the advent of the Son of God in the world. The first persons who contemplated and adored the divine face of Jesus were Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the Magi, the disciples, and the apostles. When the people suspended from the lips of the man God, admired the wisdom of his doctrine, and said, How came this man by all these things? Mark 6. They were, at the same time, impressed by the incomparable charms of his eloquence, the grace of his teaching, the accent of his voice, and above all, by the aspect of his adorable face, upon which, says St. Jerome, shine the rays of divine majesty. For this face, according to the learned and pious origin, being turned by turn sweet and severe, merciful and terrible, assumed different aspects according to the interior dispositions of those who were in its presence. It wore an expression of benignity and tenderness, benignity and tenderness toward the little children, but it terrified the sellers in the temple. The glories of Tabor, the delures of the passion reflected upon the divine face have been at all times the ravishing object and the subject of contemplation of noble hearts and of elect souls such as the Augustinians and the Bernards and the Gertrudes and the, and the Mechtilds. The sublime act of a holy woman wiping her veil, the holy face of Jesus, bowed beneath the weight of his cross on the path of Calvary, has always been famous. It has inspired painters and artists, and it forms the subject of the sixth station of the way of the cross reproduced under so many touching forms. It would take too long to enumerate the riches of science and the piety which the scriptures, the Holy Fathers, tradition, theology and history offer to us in favor of the worship so legitimately due to the face of our beloved Redeemer, let it suffice us to remark that this sacred worship is preserved by an uninterrupted tradition and from time immemorial has been practiced publicly in the Basilica of St. Peter in the Vatican. It is also well known with what jealous care the pontiffs from age to age have watchfully guarded the veil of Veronica, which the Eternal City still esteems as one of its most precious treasures. Struck by these considerations, a pious Christian belonging to our city of Tours conceived in 1851 the idea into which enlightened priests and many fervent souls soon entered of applying the worship of the sorrowful face of Jesus Christ to the reparation of blasphemies, of infidelity, and of other forms of impiety, which are the grief and dishonor of the age in which we live. I'll pause here. How much more true is it now than it was 150 years ago when this letter was written? How much more true are the impieties and the blasphemies and so this, this person who, uh, who started this devotion in Tours, Mr. DuPont was his name. A whole book is written about him. He applied the devotion 
to this face that you see here as an act of reparation against those impieties and those blasphemies which were all too common in the world just 150 years ago. I'll continue. The ever-increasing progress of skepticism, the ravages occasioned by evil doctrines, the destructive projects of secret societies have contributed to revive and to extend more and more amongst us the sense and need of expiation and consequently the salutary worship in question. Let the world but turn towards the face of the Christ. Let it but read therein the divine teachings it gives us. Let it meditate upon the lessons it presents to us, and it will quickly acquire the knowledge of its errors. It will repent on discovering in the features of the suffering Jesus in the wounded and outraged face of the Savior at once his love and the pres- and the precursory signs of his justice. The holy face which will render insensible in the wrong it has done and will make it understand its offenses, will inspire it with compunction of heart. The faithful will then offer to God the homage of their faith and the tribute of their reparations. At the present day, God is everywhere forgotten. He is often denied and blasphemed. By how many crimes is not his anger provoked? His sovereignty, his authority over families and over nations, his providence, each one of his essential perfections is misunderstood and shamefully trodden underfoot by the impious sect which desires to annihilate his very name, which it no longer pronounces, and which it banishes from the lips of little children. Trampled underfoot, does that remind you of something? Communion in the hand? Trampled underfoot, our Lord. Um, Banished from the lips of little children. Does that sound like America? Banning prayer in schools, separation of church and state. How much worse has it gotten now uh, than 150 years ago? Sorry, I, I can't help myself. I'll continue. The person of Jesus Christ, his life, the ineffable countenance of the incarnate word, our deliverer and our savior, the ever-living summary of the redemption, the mirror which reflects in it all its entirety, which is it for the majority of men, a cold historical souvenir, sometimes a myth, always a troublesome reproach. Hence it arises that Christ is insulted, that he is outraged, that his name is shamefully scoffed at in the days of the Jews who crucified him. When the crucifix and the pictures of saints are removed from schools, it is not because of a desire to efface the celestial impression of the adorable face of Jesus, engraved by Christian mothers in the hearts of their children. What remedy can be applied to so great an evil? How can the battle best be fought at one time against such ignorance, at another against such forgetfulness, at yet another against such outrages? From the very beginning of Christianity, the great apostle who made the light of the gospel shine forth. Apologies here. Just trying to get to the uh, YouTube channel so I can see that you guys are, uh, are indeed commenting. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching. I'm going to keep reading to you. 
What remedy can be applied to so great an evil? How can the battle best be fought at one time against such ignorance, at another time against such forgetfulness, at yet another time against such outrages? From the very beginning of Christianity, the great apostle who made the light of the gospel to shine forth in the midst of the darkness of paganism pointed out the remedy. The goodness and kindness of God, our Savior, has appeared. He, ex- he exclaimed, Begnitas et hum." Uh, humanitas aperut salvatoris nostri dei. At the present day, in these our wretched times, in which a species of paganism, worse than the ancient, has shown itself, behold this luminous face, at once divine and human, of our God, Savior, is presented to us. Already it is suffered for love of us, the ignominities and the wounds of the passion, now a powerful advocate in heaven. It pleads our cause before its Father. At the altar, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, although hidden and invisible, it is really present, looks at us, smiles at us, blesses us, and protects us. Imagine a bishop writing this eloquently about the face of our Lord. Imagine that, guys. Imagine that. I'll continue. Sorry, I, 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 can't, I can't help it. I have to digress. Let us burn towards it with confidence. Let us picture it to ourselves. Let us question its divine physiognomy. Let us show it under all its different aspects to the Heavenly Father. Irritated by our offenses, O God, look on the face of thy Christ. Father, forgive. Respice in faciam Christi tui, pater dimite. Let us present it to men to sinners, to those who curse and outrage it. Its tears, its sweats, its unalterable patience, its invincible love possess the power of disarming the most rebellious and touching the most hardened. In its presence we trust they will fall on their knees and will strike their breasts and will return to the knowledge and the love of their God. Such is, in fact, the aim of the devotion of the Holy Face, to touch the heart of man, to arrest the arm of God. And what efficacy must it not possess in order to attain this twofold and so so desirable object it renders sensibles to all of to to all that is most touching and most penetrating in the adorable person of the incarnate word of him whom the prophets styled at once the man of sorrows and the most beautiful among the children of men. It shows him to us under the most merciful and most amiable of his aspects. It is by the countenance, say the scriptures, that man is discerned and makes himself known. In our Lord, who possessed our human nature in all its perfections, his holy face was the most pure mirror of his soul, the vivid and sweet expansion of his heart, the visible expression of his intimate thoughts and of his most tender affections. I, ha- I, I, have to, I have to stop there for a second. The face is so important, is what this holy Bishop of Tours is saying. And if you're just joining live, I'm reading to you a letter from the Bishop of Tours from 150 years ago establishing the confraternity of the holy face, the arch-confraternity, excuse me, which was blessed and affirmed and approved and distributed by uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth. Let me read this paragraph again, and I think a lot of you know where I'm going with this. Let me read this. Let me read this sentence again. In our Lord, who possessed our human nature in all its perfections, His holy face, His face, 
was the most pure mirror in his soul, the vivid and sweet expansion of his heart, the visible expression of his intimate thoughts and of his most tender affections. That is true of us all, my dear, dear friends. That is true of us all. Our face is the most visible expression of our most intimate thoughts. It is the window to our soul. It is the most excellent part of the human body. And what do the Freemasons want to do with us today? What do the liberals, the Antifa, the BLMs, the Democrats, what do the Fauchists want you to do to your face? They want you to cover your face. They want you to hide your face. They want your face to be hidden. The most excellent part of the human body, the window to the soul, the expression of your innermost thoughts, desires, hopes, and dreams, covered by a cloth. It's despicable. I'll continue. Thus, the worship of his divine face, although it is distinct and special, is intimately attached to the devotion of the Eucharist and to that of the passion. Of course, it's tied to the passion because you can see in his, in his suffering face, it's, the, it's, it's, it's derived from the veil of Veronica, the Shroud of Turin. Without being confounded with these great devotions, which are so eminently Catholic and so strongly recommended, it leads them a useful aid. It, it completes them, illuminates them, tends to render them, at least in the case of many souls, more sensible, more attractive, and more fruitful by them. And in union with them, it helps fervent souls to enter more easily into meditation on the mysteries and the love of our Lord. It thus disposes the faithful to be most generous in the most heroic acts of patience and reparation. Just a few more pages on this letter, folks. I have to finish it because you have to hear it. And so, so far as I can tell, this is not any. I, I, Tam, I'll answer your question. I'm, I'm going to be selling this book. This book is handmade, handprinted here in the heart of America by a holy priest who I hope desperately will join the show and talk about this devotion to the Holy Face. He actually hand stitches this leather, hand prints, uh, hand imprints um, the fleur de lis, the image of Our Lady, on onto the leather. Um, and he's self-producing these things. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my personal money. I'm going to buy a whole bunch of these, and I'm going to try to resell them, uh, not for a profit, just to get this out there. Okay, but uh, let me let me finish reading this letter here. Um, I saw your question, Tam. You're you're a, you're a loyal a loyal fan, and I don't want to leave you hanging. Okay, let's finish the letter after I pull a Rubio and drink some water mid uh, mid sentence. These considerations, which we have only lightly touched upon, and which it is not necessary to enter into more deeply, had struck us for a long time past, my very dear brethren, and they determined to, and they determined us to establish in the chapel of the Holy Face a special confraternity, distinct from all those already existing and having statutes of its own. Making use of our power as ordinary, we realize this our idea by means of an ordinance dated 25th of October 1884, and we canonically established uh, in the uh, Archiepiscopal City a confraternity of the Holy Face, properly so called. On two different occasions, the new confraternity presented itself in Rome before the Holy Father in order that it might con uh, conde condescend to bless it approve it, and enrich it with indulgences. His Holiness deigned to do so. 
the, f- the first time by a brief dated the 9th December 1884, and a second time by another brief dated the 30th of March 1885. Lastly, quite recently, by a third brief dated 1 October of this present year, which is 1887, which is when this is being, um, being published. Crowning all his previous favors, acquiescing with singular benevolence in the humble request, which had been addressed to him on the subject, our Holy Father, Pope Leo XIII, declared that he had raised the confraternity of the Holy Face to the rank of an arch-confraternity, and together with this title had conferred upon it the preeminence, the rights, and all the privileges attached to the title. The intentions of His Holiness is that there should be no restriction, no limit assigned to it. It is in perpetuity, and for all the countries of the world, wherever they may be, ubique terrarum. He also grants to the said arch confraternity the power of aggregating to itself other associations of the same kind and of communicating to them the privileges it enjoys in itself as well as the indulgences and other spiritual favors which it has already been or may hereafter be enriched. This concession is the largest of any which in similar matters it is possible to obtain from the Holy See. So what... What the Archbishop of Tours here is saying right now is that uh, the privileges and the graces bestowed upon the Archconfraternity of the Holy Face by His Holiness Pope Leo XIII is the absolute superlative. It is the highest that he could possibly in, uh, entrust to the Archconfraternity. Okay, so this is very significant. Um, I think I will get to, I don't think it's in this letter, but I think when we do the Q&A, I'll talk about the promises that are associated with the Holy Face, just like we know that there are promises associated with the rosary. There are promises associated with the scapular. There are promises associated with the sacred heart of Jesus. And there are promises associated with the Holy Face devotion. Okay. So uh, I, I want to read you those as well. Continuing. We confess, very dear brethren, that we most certainly neglected nothing in order to sustain and strengthen the petition presented to our Holy Father. Nevertheless, a success so prompt and so complete has overpassed all that we expected. It can only be explained, so we are told from Rome, by an unexpected intervention of divine providence and by the express will of Leo XIII arising from his desire to obtain a compensation for the trials he has suffered and which have touched him deeply. Our gratitude is therefore equal to our admiration and our joy. You will partake it, very dear brethren, in the presence of God. You will share in the sentiments with which we are filled towards the august and well-beloved pontiff who has given us a new and touching mark of the paternal interest he takes in our metropolitan church for you understand that the honor due to the oratory of the holy face is reflected upon our uh, archiepiscopal city and upon the whole of our diocese we have now in our midst in a few steps from the ancient tomb of our great miracle worker uh, he's probably referring to saint martin of tours a new center of divine, of divine love, a center of adoration and of acts of reparation recognized and authorized by the vicar of Jesus Christ, enriched by him with exceptional distinctions and precious indulgences. The, modesty, or the modest sanctuary in which during 25 years he prayed 
whom the popular voice styled the holy man of Tours, had already attracted the attention of France and the most distant countries. Pilgrims continually flocked thither uh, uh, singly or in groups from different countries. At the present day, the finger of the sovereign pontiff itself points out this holy place to the whole church and assigns it during all coming centuries, a place apart amongst those which are the most favored of such resorts. Just one more page. Hang with me. Trust me, this will be worth it. Towards this spot, which will henceforth turn in full assurance from all parts of the world, the eyes and hearts of those who desire to venerate the sorrowful face of Christ and in it find a means of preservation and salvation. Show us thy face, O Lord, and we shall be saved. That prayer is italicized. That is one of the rallying cry prayers associated with this devotion. Show us thy face, O Lord, and we shall be saved. What is the rallying cry in 2020? Hide from us thy face, O citizen, or else we will be infected. Do you see the demonic inversion the demonic inversion of something so holy and so beautiful. Continuing. This suppliant cry of the prophet king, issuing from the oratory where Mr. DuPont so often uttered it, is the recollection and the fervor of prayer will be re-echoed from the farthest extremities of the universe. The benign words of the sovereign pontiff will accompany it, and guarantee its salutary effect. Okay, final part, part four of this letter, 404. We are touched, very dear brethren. We thrill with joy at this thought. Salvation may come, or at least it may be powerfully helped on by the holy face. And it is in our midst that the worship of it has been specially blessed by Pope Leo XIII., how would it be possible for our heart not to be filled with consolation and hope? How in this characteristic of an amiable providence would it be possible for us not to be a great blessing granted to our episcopate? The association which was necessarily endure, endued with an isolated and restricted character finds itself ag aggrandized and confirmed by a memorable act of the sovereign pontiff by decorating it with the title and honor of an arch confraternity possessing the power of affiliation throughout the whole world leo the 13th gives to the devotion of the holy face a principle of vitality and expansion which it did not hitherto enjoy a kind of apostolic sanction which renders it worthy of being recommended to the pastors and the faithful of the universal church for the sake of these motives, very dear brethren, we extol, you, we exhort you to enter as far as shall be possible for you into so generous and opportune intentions. Let us honor, let us more than ever love the holy face of our Lord. Let us offer it a frequent homage of praise and reparation. Hasten to solicit your admission amongst the association of the confraternity. It is for us to be the first to give an example of eagerness and zeal to profit by the graces of which we are here possess the center and the source. Those who amongst the clergy who may judge it expedient to establish the association in their parish churches will readily obtain from us all the necessary authorizations. At their request, we will deliver to them an ordinance of establishment which will permit them to receive from the director of the Archconfraternity a diploma of 
uh, aggregation, giving a right to the indulgences and other spiritual favors. Two more paragraphs. We have to be, uh, we, it's a misprint here, so I can't read what it says. We leave to the director of the Holy Face the duty of notifying the series of indulgences, plenary and partial, imprinted upon leaflets, which we authorize him to diffuse together with the rule approved by us and the last most important brief received by the Holy Father. We have reason to hope that our venerable colleagues of the Episcopate of France will have it in th- uh, at, at heart to favor to the utmost of their power in their respective dioceses, the establishment and diffusion of the new Archconfraternity, which we know a great number of them have already done with the happiest results and with abundant and consoling fruit for souls. Our desires and our hopes go further still, thanks to the pontificate, to, to the pontifical munificence and to the extension of the powers granted to the director of the Archconfraternity, the devotion to the Holy Face will we have no doubt, be propagated more and more amongst the most distant foreign nations. And as the religious needs of the present day are nearly everywhere the same, we believe our dear Archconfraternity called upon to produce in every place a holy emulation of zeal for the honor of Jesus Christ and the triumph of his church, a vast and unanimous concert of fervent repertory prayers, which will embrace the whole world and w- and which God will deign to recompense by the results which are the most confirmable to the desires of his vicar upon earth. The present pastoral letter shall be read from the pulpit. Okay, so what I just read to you, had to, it was required to be read from the pulpit by the Archbishop of Tours on Sunday following its reception. Given at Tours in our Archiepiscopal Palace on the 15th, October, 1885, the day of the Feast of St. Teresa. Signed, Guillaume René, Archbishop of Tours. So Archbishop René published this letter uh, on the Feast of St. Teresa of Lisieux to be read from every single pulpit. Um, Okay, so... What I've just read to you is the letter uh, announcing the establishment of the Archconfraternity of the Holy Face of Jesus. This is an Archconfraternity which was imbued with all the powers and prestige of an, of an Archconfraternity. It is to exist in perpetuity for all time and all places. Membership is free for anyone to join in the world. Um, and uh, and it, it, it started in the mid-1800s. In the holy city of Tours, uh, the birthplace and, and home of, of um, Saint Martin of Tours, who is one of the patrons of the of this devotion, Saint Teresa of Lisieux is another patron of this devotion, patroness of this devotion. I put out a, a, an image of her yesterday, uh, holding this very book that I hold in my hands. I put out an image of her holding this exact book with it open in her hands the little flower holding an image, this exact same image to my side here, uh, of the holy face of Jesus. She is one of the patronesses. And I put it out yesterday because yesterday was the feast of King St. Louis IX. King St. Louis IX is one, is, is one, of, the, one of the other patrons of this arch confraternity. And there are only like half a dozen, so we're not talking about a huge number of patrons, uh, patron saints. 
King St. Louis IX is, 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 is a patron of this, obviously French monarch, king. Um, but what is he most known for? Yes, he fought in the 7th and the 8th Crusade, and he, and he killed a bunch of Muslims. Great, that's good. We like that. Um, but what is he most known for? He is most known for his absolute undying fealty and love for God, especially in his first three commandments. The first three commandments, okay? Which God gave us the commandments in an order. You know, we're very fond in America of saying, well, the first command, the first amendment to the Constitution is so important, and that's why it's the first. And in case the first fails, then we have the second amendment, right? That's, that's kind of funny and cute, and the ordering matters. But don't you think that the ordering of the commandments matters too? Don't you think that Almighty God telling us when, where, and how he is to be reverenced is pretty significant. King St. Uh, Louis IX was famously, famously somebody who would prosecute blasphemers, blasphemy, taking the Lord's name in vain. He would cut out their tongues. He would disfigure their mouths. He would render them so that their lips would never again utter a blasphemy against Almighty God seems pretty harsh to us. It seems harsh. Um, it seems harsh, especially uh, from an Americanist mindset where we really do believe in the First Amendment. We really do believe in freedom of speech. Well, in Christendom, there was no such thing as freedom of speech because error has no rights. You don't have a right to be wrong. You don't have a right to blaspheme God. Nobody has a right to do that. I don't have a right to do that. Priest doesn't have the right to do that. You don't have a right to do that. So there really is no such thing as freedom of speech in the church has always uh, taught that and, and, and uh, have, has never condoned freedom of speech. But I want to talk uh, just, just for a minute. This will not be my only video about this devotion. I have been waiting until we get to about 5,000 subscribers on YouTube to unveil this. I didn't want to unveil it too soon. I want to reach as wide of an audience as possible because I want to tell you that there are promises associated with this devotion. It is so significant to us. It is exactly what we need in our time right now. And one of those promises, my dear friends, one of those promises associated with this devotion is that you will be regarded in heaven as amongst the greatest saints the greatest saints in heaven, you who will keep this devotion and promote it. Now, a quick, a quick drive-by history of some of the other popular devotions, uh, Catholic devotions, okay? They always start small. They always rise out of, they, they remain in obscurity for sometimes hundreds of years, and then they have this breakout moment where they become very mainstream and they enjoy the universal participation of the church at large, the universal church. How true is this with the, with the Holy Rosary? I mean, uh, the, the, the monastics were, pre were praying the 150 Psalter uh, prayer, uh, the Psalms. They were praying the 150 beads on ropes long before the rosary was given to us. Um, then Our Lady gives the rosary to St. Dominic, and even then, how long does it take to spread throughout the whole world and to, be, and to be used really as the rallying cry, as the primary spiritual weapon that Catholics have? I mean, uh, we know uh, the, the, the rosary was, was especially honored 
at the Battle of Lepanto and thereafter, which was then called um, Our Lady of Victory, um, victory at Lepanto over the Moors uh, in a very unlikely victory. But the rosary w- w- didn't. It took a while to to mainstream. Now, uh, and 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 I've I've talked about this in prior videos. There's another video that Joseph and I put out about the devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is this. I call it the original Divine Mercy, or really the only Divine Mercy. Um, the Sacred Heart of Jesus devotion started in the Middle Ages, but it didn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't given to Saint. Mary Alacoa, uh, until it it was already sort of nationally in existence. So the wounds of our Lord were reverenced. And then eventually St. Gertrude the Great, she zeroed in on the, the opening of our Lord's side and his, and his heart. But all the wounds of our Lord were reverenced. And, and there was a whole devotion to the five wounds of our Lord. And then uh, that out of the outgrowth, the natural outgrowth out of that, out of that, the, co- the continuity uh, of that then became the devotion of the Sacred Heart, which was affirmed by our Lord. So here I think what we're, what we're looking at is that same thing. This is perhaps the final devotion and most powerful devotion that is given to the Catholic Church that has, is still in its nascent state, that still has not become uh, mainstream, if you will, um, uh, into the universal church. And why is it so significant to us right now? Well, we live in a time, dear friends, in which people want you to cover your face. The rallying cry of the day today is, if you show us your face, O citizen, we will be infected. That's the rallying cry of today. That is a demonic inversion of the golden arrow prayer, which says, Show us thy face, O Lord, and we will be saved. We will be saved. I zeroed in a little bit on one one paragraph early on in um, Bishop Rene, Archbishop Rene's letter from 1885, um, in which he tries to mainstream this devotion, at least to the Archdiocese uh, of Tours and, and, and subsequently throughout France, the eldest daughter of the church. And in that paragraph, he says specifically, he talks about the, our Lord's admirable face, that it was his face that was so impactful to those who witnessed it, to those who beheld it, and that his face was simultaneously an image of terror to sinners and of consolation to those who had repented. And, um, and I, th- I, th- I think that that is, that is really why, perhaps one of the main reasons why Restoring the Faith has existed, uh, why we started when we did, why we have grown the way we have, and why we are here now in very strange times, unprecedented times, times in which our church leaders have abandoned us, times in which uh, our, our church leaders comply with the world that says to wear a mask and, 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 uh, and, and to cover your image and likeness of God. Your image and likeness, the window to your soul, the manner by which you express your hopes, desires, and innermost thoughts, 
that is now to be veiled, covered up, masked. Um, it's, it's wicked. It's despicable. This is the devotion that, that will counteract that. So now what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to head over to the comment section here for the live, uh, for the live comments and, uh, see if I can answer some of these questions. Please feel free to leave a comment or ask a question. I don't know all the answers to this devotion. I only heard about it a couple years ago. I'm only now just getting into it, uh, really deeply and I would really like to keep spreading it. Um, so I will, I'll answer the, the questions to the best of my ability, but as many of you know, there is a priest, a good and holy priest who is a hundred percent devoted to this devotion. And I think with your prayers, he may end up coming on the show to talk about it and he will be able to clarify anything, uh, for which I fall short. Okay. So crossing the trail. Hi, you're doing okay. Thanks. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, high quality video and sound. Yes, that's uh, that's not an accident. That uh, that was a lot of work, but thank you for acknowledging that. No helmet today, says Atlas. No, no helmet. Uh, Atlas says the wiping of the face of Jesus on the way to Calvary is a pious myth. Uh, even her name is invented and means true image. Uh, yes, the name Saint Veronica. Uh, yes, it's it's comes from the Latin uh, Veritas uh, Veronica and icon which means image, so true image. So Veronica does mean true image. Uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux, love this uh, devotion. Yes, crossing the trail, that's absolutely true. I uh, uh, covered that. I, I, I did release that image yesterday of the little flower actually holding this same book that I'm holding. It's incredible. How is that even possible? How am I holding the—I mean, it's not the literal same book. If I were holding the literal—I mean, this would be like a relic, right? This is one of my favorite devotions to do, Sarah. Well, God bless you. I wish I knew about it earlier in life. I'm just now getting around to it, and uh, God forgive me. Atlas, no basis in fact or in truth for this devotion. Okay, well, uh, I don't agree. Amy, uh, go away, troll. <laughs> All right. Crossing the trail. Pope Leo, who was vicar of Christ and the successor of St. Peter, disagrees. Well, yeah, he does disagree with you, Atlas. Sorry about that. Um, I do. I love you though, Atlas. You, you're always around and we usually agree. So that's fine. Um, Amy says Tuesdays are traditionally dedicated to the Holy face. Pray the litany or the, of the Holy face on Tuesdays in reparation for blasphemy. I didn't know that. See, I thought it was Sunday, uh, that you prayed the whole, um, you, the whole litany of the Holy face, which it's not that long. Um, and then there are certain daily prayers that you pray, and then there's the litany that you pray. Amy's saying pray it on Tuesday. I think I've read that you prayed on Sunday. We'll clarify uh, with Father Carney if he comes on. Crossing the trail. Let's see. Sorry to disturb everyone. What book is the man reading? Um, okay, so this book is actually. Uh, I'll I'll actually tell you. Let me let me pull it out. I, I'm not so sure that it has a a name. This is a compilation of a bunch of things. Is what this is. So this is the Manual of the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face is what I'm reading. The Manual of the Arch Confraternity. And the manual has a whole bunch of things. It has some of the foundational documents. It has this image, which I'm sure you can see. It's the same image that's to my side. So this is the image from the definitive 1887 Manual of the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face. Um, the table of contents includes... You know, some of the some of the letters that I read you establishing the Arch Confraternity and all those things. Then it goes into prayers and litanies and forms of prayers. Then the third part are uh, devotions with different practices. So there's the Stations of the Cross of the Holy Face. There's uh, a different uh, short way of the cross. 
Uh, there are other prayers and devotions there. Um, yesterday, our family prayed uh, the little office of the Holy Face, um, and that was that we've never done that before, um, and that was that was interesting. There's a there's a chaplet uh, of the Holy Face. There's even a rosary of the Holy Face, and th- that one has that one is pretty deep. I'm not going to lie; that one is is really deep. So, um, so that's what this book is. It's basically a historical book that sh- that shows. Um, there's no there's no even there's no real cover to it because this is being here. I'll take the leather uh, cover off. So, like I said, uh, Father Carney is making these leather bound covers um, by hand, and he's got some families in the area who are helping him do that as well. And he's he's basically self printing, self producing these, and um, and you know I would like to help um, in the promotion of this devotion, which is why I'm doing this now, and and why you're going to hear a little bit more about it over time. So that's what the book is. <sighs> this fantastic thank you. Oh well, it it is fantastic. Um, let's see, Tam. I have always wanted to know about this devotion. In this uh, modern times, we have lost the traditional devotion. Thank you f- uh, for bringing this to our attention. Yeah, we, we really have lost it. I mean, you could almost say that this devotion has not yet matured. Um, uh, it has not reached its, its, its apex of its maturity, of, his, of, of its um, size, scope, breadth, and power. And, um, and, and it will, just like I said, you know, it took the rosary a couple hundred years to get off the ground. It took, uh, it took the devotion of the sacred heart of Jesus even longer than that. Um, I want to repeat to you something that father said from the pulpit not long ago. And, um, and I think that, uh, I think that this is going to, uh, wow you. So these are his words, not mine, his insight, not mine. I wish I could take credit for it. Uh, but at this point, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna repackage what I heard and um, and and deliver it to you. This devotion to the holy face of Jesus will, in the end, be higher in magnitude, in importance, in efficacy, in the transfusion of graces, even than the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Okay. Now, the Sacred Heart of Jesus is a tremendous devotion. It is so important to have your home enthroned to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, to say the litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, um, to have recourse to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That is where we can admire the mercy of our God. That is that is the divine mercy. When St. Alphonsus Liguori talks about the divine mercy— He's referring to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. When all of the doctors of the church talk about the divine mercy, they are talking about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Don't get confused. Don't, don't get confused by that other competing thing, which is not, not, never to be referenced on this channel. The Sacred Heart of Jesus is the divine mercy. Now, Father Carney says, this devotion is, in the end, going to be more significant, more important, and of a higher rank than the Sacred Heart of Jesus devotion. Because the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, he says, is a devotion that fundamentally you, you, are, you are adoring the physical heart of our Lord, which is inextricably tied to his humanity, his mercy. But when you adore his face, 
especially the face of our suffering Lord here. This face which has endured blasphemes and beatings and scourgings, crowning of thorns. You are adoring the divinity of our Lord. Both are good things to do. I'm not pitting them against each other. We have to do both, especially in the fallen times in which we live. But how radical, how radical is that idea? How incredible is that thought? That this devotion that a lot of you have never heard of, this devotion that a lot of us can go through life blissfully unaware of, is secretly the most important devotion in the Holy Catholic Church. Um, that's, pretty, that's pretty radical. I'm going to keep reading these comments and answering. Uh, Amy, Amy's asking for my address. Uh, okay, maybe. <laughs> I want one of those books. Yes, Lulu, I'm going to get these books out and available. First, I have to figure out how e-commerce works. I got to figure out how I can like actually receive your orders for these things. Um, they're not cheap. I bought, uh, I bought like five of these for my really close friends and gave them out. Um, even before I under, I truly understood the significance of these. I've, I've been, I've been distributing them. Um, but I really, I can't, I can't afford to just give these away because they're not cheap. But, um, but I, I am going to figure out how to resell them, and uh, and get that e-commerce function going so that you got, you can buy it straight from the website or from YouTube or ho- however. So just give me some time to figure it out. All I really want to do is, uh, is is try to at least uh, preview you this incredible devotion. Um, okay, so I've never attended the Latin Mass, and I never bought into the Divine Mercy devotions. Okay, Tam. Um, well, I, I'll call that a grace. Uh, let's see. Edward says, I remember Father C's talk at a meeting about the devotion to the Holy Face, a moving talk. Yeah, no kidding. We are, bl- are, are we blessed to know him, Ed? Yes, we are. Um, there's a group of St. Padre Pio publications that I believe have something similar. Interesting, AMDG, thank you for telling me about that. I'm I'm definitely going to look into that. Um, Let's see. It's true our Lord revealed this to Sister Mary St. Peter, the nun from whom this devotion was revealed by Jesus. Yeah, that's right. I didn't mention that uh, because I wasn't prepared to actually just go into the whole history of this. I just wanted to read you the letter and introduce the thing, and hopefully in subsequent videos we can kind of uh, really enter deeply into this devotion together, all of us. But that's exactly right. Sister Mary, St. Peter, uh, she she was revealed this devotion, and she was given those promises. Thank you, Christina, uh, directly from our Lord, uh, the promises. So I haven't actually read you. Um, I haven't read you the promises, and I think I think I'm not going to in this video. I know a lot of you are watching live right now. I think I'm going to save that for another video where we can talk about the promises of this devotion um, and pray again that I can have an expert on this subject uh, uh, come on and, and, and talk about this. But I can tell you, I've already revealed to you one of the most stunning promises is that the, those souls that will encourage the spread of this devotion will be the greatest uh, saints honored in heaven. So that's not, a, that's not an insignificant promise. You know what I mean? That's a pretty significant promise. That's a promise that's so compelling to, to where when Mike hears it, Mike says, oh boy, if only I had a way to promote this devotion. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I have a duty to share this with you. 
Lulu, I would volunteer to help in any way for any online help you need. Oh, you know what? Thank you. I do need help. Um, I'm a one-man show, and I, I should, I sh- I'm going to take you up on that. Um, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, guys. Um, once again, thank you for watching. This, uh, if you could subscribe to the channel and share this video, I, I would be most, uh, most grateful for that because the more people that hear about this, the more people that see this image – this is the image that we that this will be our rallying cry. This will be our our final image. This will be uh, the 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 banner under which we all fight. And 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 the current enemies today that want us to hide our Lord's face. Have you seen these images? Sorry, just a quick digress digression. Have you seen these sick, twisted, despicable, disgusting images? of statues of Our Lady, let's say in hospitals, wearing a face mask. Statues of Our Lady holding the Divine Son, and He's wearing a face mask. Have, it is despicable. It is wicked. It is, it is satanic. It is demonic. To hide the magnificence of the face of Our Lady and Our Lord that ultimately is what they are seeking to do. They seek to muzzle us. They seek to silence us. They seek for us to hide the most magnificent part of our body, that, bo- that part of our body that is the image and likeness of God, that part of the body that uh, expresses our innermost desires, hopes, and dreams. It is the window to our soul. And these people think that this is a joke, that this is funny. That's a blasphemy is what that is. It's a blasphemy to put a face mask on our Lord and our Lady. I I almost tweeted, I think I even maybe retweeted one of those images, which was promoted by an archbishop. It was promoted by an archbishop, and he wrote in, in either Spanish or Portuguese, Our Lady of Corona. Our Lady of Corona. Can you even imagine? I won't, I, won't, I won't display the image for you here because we're looking at something beautiful right now. We're looking at uh, our salvation, perhaps. But you have, a, you have an archbishop somewhere in the world who's putting a face muzzle, face mask, buying into the Freemasonic design that we cover our faces, lose the human interaction lose the ability to contextualize our interactions with each other, putting a face mask on Our Lady and Our Lord. It is despicable, horrifying, disgusting, and that's what they want us all to do. And when we oppose them in this, in, under this banner, under this image, under this image of Our Lord, with His holy face, We will win. We will win victory. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for watching. And um, let's be in touch soon, okay? If you're one of the folks who uh, would like to get in touch with me about getting a book before I can figure out the e-commerce thing, I'll do it. Send me an email, and we'll work something out uh, somehow. I do have have 
PayPal, I think, and Venmo. But I want to get something more officially sanctioned and, and organized so that it's, it's a smoother process. But um, thanks, everybody. God reward you. God bless. Take care.